ended up at a company called Penthouse. Didn't know what that was. It got to a point where he was sending me so much money. I was like, why am I even working? So I stopped. Then it just turned into such a dark space. It went from something that brought me hope to something that made me depressed. I was born and raised in the cult in Utah until I was 17 years old. I had five moms and I am one of 40. What is up, mom squad? So we've already talked to someone who was in what she considered a cult. You know, it was very um, probably common in like the religious and and church world uh, for people to fall into a cult like that. Yeah, a little bit of extreme religious experience that she had. They were taken too far. Um, but it's it's a good example of how you have to be careful of of things that you get involved with. You yes. know, she didn't know it was going to be like this. Well, we have another mom who shared her secret with us who was in a cult. This type of cult is the more extreme cult. Born into it had how many siblings? 52 siblings, you guys. 50 She had 5 moms. 5 moms. She was she was the second mom was her birth mom. Second mom was But the first mom, mom raised her. She I mean, I don't want to give everything away. I know. You'll hear about how she got married, how At her, 17. how her husband was chosen. This one was what I thought of when I thought cult. You know what I mean? When you hear the word cult, this is what I think of. This is extreme. The extreme cult. This is extreme, you guys. But we wanted to showcase both. Yes. Because life is not always the extremes. Mm-hmm. We want you guys to know, like, all the versions, you know, what, yep. what's more common for us as, as moms to fall into and people that we love to fall into, right? Because the first cult experience, she wasn't born into it. Mm-hmm. You know, she fell into it on yes. accident, He's, you know? She was manipulated. She was manipulated, exactly. And this one is something where this woman was born into it. Like, yeah. like she she lived in a place where she knew nothing but this. Yeah. Yep. Nothing but this, and, you guys. And um, very strict rules as far as television goes and music and um, even books she could read. So Schools that she could attend. She could chores. Attend. Yeah. Like, this is I very mean, intense. It is intense, you guys. It's so intense that we couldn't give it to you on all in one episode because there is so much. Yep. So we had to split it in two because we talked to her for literally two hours and probably could have talked to her for another two hours easily. Oh, I literally could. Easily. I totally could. So here's the first part of our conversation with a mom who was in a cult. I was born and raised in a cult in Utah um, until I was 17 years old. I had five moms, and I am one of 40 kids Wow! my dad. So the, my fifth mom did not have kids with my dad. She had uh, 12 kids with another man, and he was sent away by the leader of the church for whatever reason. And she was released from that man and then married to my dad. So her 12 kids automatically became my siblings, and those 12 kids automatically became my dad's kids. So... All in all, um, my dad actually had five wives and 52 kids. Wow. But 12 of those weren't his biological kids. What are the age ranges? Like from age difference? Um, Like the oldest and the youngest? I know dad's youngest youngest kid is, um, oh, I'm trying to think, probably like seven-ish. And the oldest, oh goodness, I don't know. Biological, 48 Wow. Oh, my God. You've had kids for 41 years. 
I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, I can't even remember how old my oldest brother is, actually. So you had um, you had five moms, though, but you had, your biological mom, was she, like, the main one who raised okay, so you and took responsibilities mom, for you? She was the second mom. So if it weren't for polygamy, I would not be here. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so some mixed feelings there. Yeah, I can but, imagine. Um, she was not the stay-at-home mom. So we had our first mom was the stay-at-home mom. And she raised... Um, she stayed home and raised the kids, basically. So she ended up having 16 children. My mom had 12. Um, she, my mom was, uh, she worked full time. So, so she worked she out of home. the, she worked at yeah. a normal job? She worked in the community, yeah. So in the community that we had things set up there. So we had like a grocery store and a hardware store and a gas station and all these different things there in the community, right? So people had jobs there. Well, and they allowed some of the women to go um, to go on and get degrees and different things. Like some of the women were allowed to go and get their schooling. But they had to be women that obeyed without question. And they had to be women that could go out, get their schooling, and then bring that knowledge and that stuff back to the church and use it, right? Wow. They had to be women that could be controlled. Wow. And raise your hand if you weren't one of them. I'm just raising my hand up here. <laughs> Mine's up too. So I did not get to go out and finish school. That was obviously withheld from me. Were you homeschooled or was there a school in well, the community? So for me, um, I actually went to a different school every year of my childhood except for grade six and seven. It just That's just how it happened. I don't think it was like planned that way, but I went to a different school in the community every single year I was switched to another school and I had I wasn't able to like make like steady friends because of it you could you know I just it was I was switched up to another school I ended up skipping grade five um wanted to skip grade seven I could have skipped grade seven easily I was academically brilliant before all you know the trauma and whatever wow (laughs) it just kind of as that as that started to you know happen more than you know, I'm not that smart anymore, but you mentioned but community. Is it, yeah. was it whole, was it just a, a community where there was just like your guys's yeah. following there only entire community of, um, mostly, yeah, mostly just the cult following. And there were some people that had left. So they were considered like they were called apostates. Um, and we couldn't associate with them. We couldn't talk to them. There were obviously some of them, like, in the community as well, like, still living there, too. But we just avoided them, and we were raised to believe that they were terrible people and don't be like them, don't be like them and don't look at them and don't smile at them. And, but we're a happy people, but don't smile at people. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what was, like, the size of this community? Um, a lot. I remember at one time... Um, Someone saying something about 8,000. I remember that na- that number stuck in my head for some reason, but I know it was much, much bigger than that. I just remember that at one time in, in my childhood, someone saying that number. And that 8,000 is all people just that, who lived there. Some of them weren't involved in the cult or were all, is that are you saying 8,000 was part of the cult? Oh, they were part of the cult. Okay, that, wow. That number was like um, at one of the big meetings that they had. That's that's a that's a big cult. But there wasn't just it wasn't just in Utah. So there was a group in um, British Columbia as well. So Creston, British British Columbia. 
Where did it originate? It originated from in Utah, like Colorado City. Okay. And how did, yeah, do you know? Arizona and Utah border. Do you know about when it was started and how it was started and by whom? Well, I do know a little bit, not a whole lot, actually. So I know that it started like um, LDS, right? So mm-hmm. the three the three prophets. So it started, you know, with Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, John Taylor. And then the manifesto was signed. That was basically, um, so Wilford Woodrush signed the manifesto. From my understanding, okay, and this is like kind of, it's kind of messed up because I'm, I, pro- I probably don't even have all the facts, right? But as a child, this is how I, I understood it. But he signed the manifesto, signing away, like, polygamy and things like that. And that's that's the LDS. So um, Wilford, Wood- Wilford Woodruff would have been, like, the LDS leader at the time. And then, that's, and then you know, it goes down the, I don't know, the leaders after that in the LDS side. But in the SLDS side, um, I can't remember the next prophet, but they went into hiding, and then they were in hiding for years. And then they came out of hiding. So I know there was John Woolley and Lauren Woolley. And then John Y. Barlow. And they came out of hiding and they started to practice again. And they are they practice polygamy and they have underage marriages. And yeah, it's just this is their normal. And this is what people are born and raised in. And they believe it to be true. What was daily? What was life like in the community? Was there... Um... I'm assuming like church on Sundays or was it a daily thing? Is there anything that you had to yeah, do there was for your religion? On so it was way different when I was a child. Then as I grew up, it got strict, more strict. Like the rules started to get more and more strict, um, more and more crazy. But it started to be weirder and weirder. <laughs> and I didn't know if it was just because I was growing up and starting to realize, oh my God, like this is my life. This is what I do. This is, and started to understand a little more mm-hmm. or if it was, but I think it was a mixture of both. Like I was, I was starting to become more aware and I was starting to think outside that box a little bit, but also I was, it was getting more crazy. Like there were more and more rules coming in and more and more, you know, revelations. I'm doing quotes in the air, but like revelations coming down through the leaders that were telling us to do different things. And it was insane. So, but yeah, when I was a child, it was, there was tons of kids everywhere. We were always, we never had, um, you never had really a boring day because there was, so many siblings and so many cousins and everybody was just barefoot and playing outside a lot. And I don't know, we went to school, but we had, you had so much family and every meal was like chaos. <laughs> we had one of those tables of, that folded out with the 18 little round seats around it. Wow. And it was almost full every meal, right? So yeah, when you think about that, it's just... I am curious. So there was five wives and all these children. Mm -hmm. Did you all live in the same house? Yes. Wow. So he didn't. Dad didn't get his fifth wife until after, um, till like way later when I was older. But so all of her kids were mostly grown. But yes, we all lived in the same house. Wow, that is so. What was inside the house? How'd that work? Oh my gosh, the house was huge. Well, actually, when I was a little girl, then um, we lived in a trailer house. And if I remember correctly, we had 26 people in our family before we were able to start moving into the big house. Wow. Like we were finishing the big house, um, rooms in the big house. We'd finish off a room and then finish off another room and finish off a bathroom. And I just remember us like kind of picking away at it and like working away at it. And 
pretty soon people would move out, like more of us would move out until everybody had moved out of the trailer house into the big house. Wow. But I remember, um, so there was this one little side room with a twin bed and a dresser with five drawers and me and my four older sisters um, slept like sideways on the bed. So from oldest to youngest on the bed and then we each got a drawer and mine was the bottom drawer and that was our that was our room that was our stuff and then the boys like all of our brothers slept in sleeping bags or blankets from the kitchen stove all the way across the kitchen floor into the living room so the living room and the kitchen were just basically one big room I don't know if you can like if you know what like a trailer house looks like inside right just a single wide trailer yeah so um and just slept across the floor that way yeah wow that is so I'm assuming you were really close with your siblings yeah literally and figuratively yes (laughs) you were like in each other's space all the time and did the older kids help with like the younger kids like help take care of the babies and stuff like that oh a hundred percent yes so I do feel like a lot of it was placed on the older. So we talk about it in like generations, right? So the first generation helped to raise the second generation. Then the second generation kind of took that role and start was helping raise the third generation because you have generations in your family. And mm-hmm. I feel like, um, and dad always talked about like raising the first generation of kids, right? You know, raising them to be like, you know, in dad's mind, like raising them to have, you know, to be perfect, to walk the walk and being the, you know, straight and narrow and because they're going to be setting the example for the next generation of kids. And I think in dad's mind, if he, he felt like if he raised those first kids like properly and correctly and they were perfect, then the next generation of kids would look to them and then they would be perfect too. And, you know, that was kind of the idea. So I'm assuming he was really strict. Extremely. Yeah. And dad always said, you have to get, you know, and I know he he probably meant it more as a joke, but it wasn't very funny. <laughs> Jokes are supposed to be funny, but um, he would say things like, um, you know, you have to have the quality to get the quantity. Oh. And the truth of it is, some of us, some of us kids knew from a very young age that we were quality, we were not quality to that. We knew that we were part of the quantity. Wow. Oh I could God. call some of my siblings right, right now and be like, hey, were you quality or quantity? And they'd know exactly what I was talking about. Wow. <laughs> they'd be like, well, I was quantity, that's for sure. I can't oh, imagine. I, I can't even imagine being able to have, like, a close relationship with parents when there's that many kids either. It's, I, yeah, you're just a number. Yeah, you really very you feel like just a number. And the parents definitely – I feel like that my first mom, oh, she was like an angel on this earth. She truly loved from her soul. And, and I feel like her unconditional love is what kept us sane, like sane enough. Some of us – you know, together enough to make it this far in our lives. Like I, I cannot even explain because it was that unconditional love. She just, she truly loved us. And I, and I felt seen when I was with her. Mm. And that's such a huge thing for a kid in that you're just a number and you're just in this huge herd of people. And, and it's so easy to get lost in the crowd and she would see every single one of us. Wow. You know, I can't, I can't think of one of my siblings that didn't feel seen and feel heard by her. Wow. She made it. She made an extra effort to just make sure we each felt that love and felt special. And I do think she overcompensated a bit because Dad was very strict and he was very abusive and he was very demanding. And I mean, I know he had a lot of pressure from the church and stuff like that as well. But 
in my opinion, it doesn't excuse abuse. It doesn't excuse the behavior. It, I understand it. I just don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that she went out of her way to try to like, let us know that we were loved. <laughs> I'm here. You... And that kind of thing, you know, and tried to just help like bring, bring us in and make us feel like we belonged and it mattered. I remember her telling me when I was a young girl, I remember her saying, you're going to be an amazing mom. I remember her saying, you are going to make a great mother one day. Mm. And even to this day, it sticks with me, you Mm. know. And that's just the first 13 minutes of our conversation with this amazing woman who was in this cult. And if you head on over to Patreon, you can hear the entire episode, which is actually split into two parts. But you get access to everything once you join Patreon. She goes on to tell us more about what life was like. She talks about when and how she got married which is actually a very heartbreaking story along with her first sexual experience then she goes on to tell us about how she got out and where she's at today it's truly an amazing story and like we said we talked for almost we actually talked for over two hours but once it was edited it was close to two hours it's all over on patreon join us over there if you join the mom squad you get a new episode every Wednesday and if you join the Sugar Mama tier you get a new episode the first Wednesday of every month. If you have any questions about Patreon feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at mom.worthy. We'll see you over on Patreon.